Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Abraham, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So Gabriel visits Daniel as Daniel is praying for his people. Who would Daniel's people be? It would be the Israelites. And so that's what we see coming to pass in those first verses. Verse 22, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. We're going to get to the vision in a minute, but just note that. Praise the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Who did we say Daniel's people are? Who do we know Daniel's people to be biblically and contextually? The Israelites. So this is not New Testament church age saints or Christians. This is an Israel people. This is a national people. Called the Israelites, and upon thy holy city. Now, note it doesn't say 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon America, because America isn't the holy city. The Vatican isn't the holy city. Mecca isn't the holy city. Okay? Jerusalem is the holy city. So we need to get that contextually. Or we can just mess up Daniel 9 and prophecy. So that's very clear. Thy people upon thy holy city. And people say, well, I just think that the church is in there somewhere. Okay, let's keep reading. To finish the transgression. What did Jesus say in John chapter 19 on the cross? It is finished. Right? We all know that. What was finished? I'll go to Hebrews 9. Let's take a side trail there. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 15. Watch what it says. Hebrews 9, 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, very obviously talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament 
they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Our sins and our transgressions have been finished on the cross. When we are reading in Daniel chapter 9, the view of these transgressions is not in view of the entire world. What is in view with finishing the transgression in Daniel chapter 9 is a national Israel view. That's clear from the context. Our transgressions have been taken care of. And it's finished on the cross. In Daniel 9, it's the sins of one group of people. And that is the Israelites. And their transgression is not finished. It will be finished when they as a nation turn toward God. Everybody get that? The idea behind national salvation as opposed to individual salvation. There's a national scope and a national view in mind and God's going to finish that transgression at a later point. That prophecy is in Daniel chapter 9. If you meet a Jew on Dornan or at the fair this week or at, uh, you meet a young college student at the campus outreach we'll be doing Saturday, you don't bring them to Daniel chapter number 9. You can bring them to Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, Romans, all that, because you are speaking to them as an individual who needs to come to Christ the same way any other individual would need to. That makes sense? So that's the finish of finishing of the transgression. Uh, Daniel chapter number 9. Look what it says next. Upon the holy city to finish the transgression. And second, the second um, purpose here in Daniel 9.24 is to make an end of sin. Whose sin? Israel as a nation, their sin. Go to First Peter chapter number two. It can't be for us as Christians because First Peter chapter number two says very clearly in verse 24, First Peter two, verse number 24. The Bible says, who his own self, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Christ made an end to sin when he bare our sins in his own body. Israel's sins nationally will be taken care of when the deliverer comes. And go to Romans chapter number 11. We'll just take a small side trip here. Go verse by verse on Sunday mornings through the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 11. Watch what it says. In Romans 11 verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, 
there shall come out of Sion, there it is, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them. Who's the them? Israel as a nation. When I shall take away what? Their sin. So what have we gotten so far? Our transgressions have been finished. Our sins have been paid for. And we also have so far tonight the the dividing out of the understanding of national Israel and their salvation that will come as opposed to individual salvation now going on in the church age. So far, so far so good. I don't want to lose anybody. Okay, so we're good. Keep moving forward. Let's go back to Daniel 9. The third thing we're looking at. Finish the transgression. And to make end of sins. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. That's not for us. How do you know that? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I don't want you, I don't want to just read you Daniel 9 and say this is for Israel, not the church, and this is kingdom stuff, and just have to take my word for it. I want you to be able to understand why and be able to go to the verses and get a hold of it. And that's what we are doing tonight. 2 Corinthians 5, the 19th verse. The Bible says to wit that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, because we've been reconciled to God, <laughs> now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Be very, very careful. About being an ambassador or a ruler of the kingdoms of this world. I didn't tell you not to vote. I didn't tell you not to know what's going on in the world of economics or politics. I'm not, say, I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is be careful of being an ambassador for the most conservative Republican candidate out there. Just be careful. Many Christians read this verse and say amen. Yet they're an ambassador for a political party. I'm not saying anybody's in the devil if they're a registered Democrat or a registered, well, <laughs> be careful. If you're a registered Republican or a registered whatever the other third parties are. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, ultimately, who are you an ambassador for? Why? I don't want to live in North Korea. I don't want to live in any communist country. And I thank God that we have freedom in America. I do. Okay? I do. But America didn't reconcile me to God. And I am not saying that to be disrespectful to our nation. I love living in America, 
and I love our nation, but I love God more. Okay? Because God sent his son to pay my sin debt, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, reconciled me to God, the Father, and he made an end to my transgressions and paid for my sins. I hope you're with me on this. Let's be ambassadors for Christ. Amen. As though God did the speak beseech you by us. We pray you with Christ's deed. Be ye, here it is, reconciled to God. Okay, so we have been reconciled to God. If you've trusted Christ, that's finished. You don't need Daniel 9. It's not for you. Uh, look at Romans 5. Start varying along here. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This making an end, uh, uh, making a reconciliation for iniquity in Daniel chapter 9 is a national deal. It is not an individual deal. Christ did it for us on the cross. It's all be like sheep going astray. Everyone turned his own way and we would have laid on him what, the iniquity of us all. If a Jew wants to be saved right now, he's going to have to Deny his national pride and trust Christ the same way we do. And if a Republican candidate wants to be saved, you know what he's going to have to do? Deny his national pride <laughs> and trust the Savior. It's the same salvation no matter what nation you belong. But after the church is caught up, then the Jews as a nation, not as individuals, as a nation will look upon him whom they have peered. Okay, so we got that all down. Number four, let's go back to Daniel chapter nine, the fourth thing listed. <clears throat> Fourth thing listed is to bring in everlasting righteousness. Go back to your books to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 31. As you're turning there, I'll share this verse. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Why would you say Daniel 9 is for the church when the church has everlasting life? We have Christ's imputed righteousness. Look at Jeremiah 31. Verse number 33, the Bible says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Remember we talked about those dispensations and I was real dogmatic about people want to say that it's a time period where, okay, the law entered, the law entered. Except the law didn't end because it is going to come back 
and to play. We see that in Jeremiah 31. We even use the law now as a schoolmaster, right? We know those verses. We don't put someone under the Mosaic law. We use the law to help show them their need for a Savior. Verse 33, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write their heart, and believe their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, no for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Here it is, right, this last part. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God forgives it, and nationally, we talked about this before many a time, an instance where God is so powerful that he is able to choose not to remember their sin. Now tell me that's not a wonderful truth for the nation. Wicked, idolatrous. I mean, just read the Old Testament. The wicked, wicked things they got into. And you mean to tell me that God's not even going to know it anymore? Yeah, he says he's not going to remember it anymore. All the wicked, horrible things. That they did. Now that's a holy, righteous power. God. In Daniel 9, I, this was the, the big one I wanted to get to. Uh, okay, but let's skip over it and, and just finish out this last one. And to anoint the most holy, um, this is King Jesus at the end of Daniel 9 24, and it says to anoint the most holy. This King Jesus on the throne at Jerusalem. And right now, Christ. He's not the king of the church. He's the head of the church. Christ is the savior of the body. And we are part of that body, which is Christ's church. He is a he is our head and he is the savior. Amen. He's not the king of the church. Matter of fact, he has made us, us kings and priests unto God the Father. Okay? But he's going to come back. He's going to sit on Jerusalem. He's going to be. That's when King Jesus is going to come back. His title is king. So just drawing the distinction there. But right before that, you see where it says, "And to seal up the vision and the prophecy." Now we read that a little bit earlier. We started the message, and this vision and this prophecy is for who? You go on. Who's it for? Israel, right? The Jews. Which ties us right back to Daniel 2. And all that stuff about that vision, about those kingdoms, it ties us right back to Daniel 2 regarding the kingdom. Now, go to 2 Corinthians. Let's just make this quick trip. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Look at verse 20. The Bible says in verse uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God him are yea, and him amen, under the glory of God by us. 
Now he which established us with you in Christ, he hath anointed us, and hath anointed us is God who hath, watch this, sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. We've been sealed up. Daniel 9 isn't for us. We have been sealed under the day of redemption. It says in Ephesians 1, and also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit promise. Our sealing is done. Daniel 9 is a sealing up of the vision and prophecy. It ties back to what we read in Daniel chapter number 2. And that gives us a picture, a glimpse prophetically of what's going to happen to that nation. Look at Daniel 9.25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and three score weeks. The street shall be built again, all even in troubleless Time. You get all that, we'll go on such a rabbit trail. We'll be here. There'll be too much information. But Ezra and Nehemiah details this history. Daniel 9 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. This is the crucifixion of Christ. Prophesied. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with the flood, and the end of the war, desolations are determined. Daniel 9 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's the end of Daniel chapter 9. With verse number 27. And we're going to see all of that play out. Not for us. But for the nation. That's going to happen. Well. Let's tie this back to the kingdom. It, the nation of Israel. Started when who was called out. Abraham right. God governed. Those people. And then beginning with Saul, human kings, because the people said, we want a king like all the other nations. And so against God's will, God gave the people their will. And what happened? Beginning with Saul, and then David, and then Solomon, and then Rehoboam, and the kingdoms were split. But what we have is, and then they go into captivity, we have human kings governing God's people. Now that's not what God wanted, but he gave them what they wanted. Remember the lesson we looked at before? What happened in Ezekiel 9 through 11? God said, I'm taking my glory out of the temple and I'm leaving God <laughs> to keep it so. Right? Remember that lesson? And Because apostasy took over. Supposed to be a house for his name, and so God removes the crown from those human kings of Israel. 
Remember we read in Daniel 2? He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. By way of review. And so now what's going to happen with that crown? It is not going on top of any Hebrew's head until King Jesus returns. And until then, no king. That nation has no king. Daniel 2, he saw the prophecy of those kingdoms, those Gentile kingdoms. And right now, we're in the mingling phase. The iron and clay mingling. Daniel 9 is prophecies regarding the nation of Israel. When John the Baptist came on the scene in Matthew 3, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus Christ preached the same thing. In Matthew chapter 10, he told the apostles, repent ye, preach this, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he told them, go not into the way of the Gentiles, but go rather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, go to those Jews, the, the house of Israel, and you're going, to you're going to preach the kingdom of heaven. It's a physical kingdom at hand because that king is on the scene right now. Not right now, but when he was saying it. He's going to set up that physical, literal kingdom, and he's going to be the ruling king. But what happened? They crucified him, right? By Daniel 9, 26, three score and two weeks, shall must shy be cut off, but not for himself. That fulfilled the 69th week of Daniel's prophecy. Go to Acts chapter 2, after Peter preached. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 23. We'll back it up. Verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. And he yourselves also know. Here's the verse. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. That was the fulfillment of Daniel 9, 26. That's the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He said it back in Daniel 9. So what do we have left before Christ sets up his kingdom? We have one week of prophecy. Seventh, seventh week of Daniel's prophecy is What are we doing now? God stopped coming. Don't you, I know we have ways of keeping time, but it's really not God's time. And you know why we should can't set dates?
are you going to number eternity? How are you going to keep track of eternity? You can't. You know what we have? Eternal life. Eternal life. God's going to start the stopwatch again after the church is caught in. Now he's going to be back on the time to deal with this nation. And it's going to start running again on Daniel 70. So what's happening now? Well, Daniel 2 is happening now. Gentile kingdoms and the whole thing is messed up. The, the, this world, the kingdoms of this world, it's the iron and clay mixture that's ruling. We're in the church here. We'll get into this. We're going to get into this in a couple of lessons. But we'll start to close out our thoughts on this understanding this coming kingdom. Matthew 13, we're going to tell this parable. Matthew 13, the, Christ, uh, the church is likened to a pearl of great price. We're in the church age. Israel is likened to the treasure hid in the field. We're getting into that by another two lessons. But this last prophetic week is going to start with peace. The world's going to be deceived by the false Christ. Middle of the week, the man of sin is going to be revealed. And they're going to try to eliminate all the seed of Abraham. So they're told, believe God's word and flee to the night. And they will have to endure to the end to live physically to enter into, guess what? Christ's kingdom, which is set up now, but it will be when he comes back. King Jesus returns. He destroys all his enemies. He establishes his kingdom. We okay? We're going to go to one more chapter. Everybody all right? One more chapter, and we'll close this out. Go to Daniel 7. Daniel 7. But it says Daniel 7, verse 9. I know this is a lot of Bible, but it's a Thursday night. Right, just take a deep breath. Some of you kids have all the cross-reference notes, so that's good. Daniel 9, verse 7. I beheld the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. That's God the Father. The Ancient of Days is God the Father. Whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain. That horn is related to the beast. And his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against principalities, powers of this world, a spiritual witness in high places, darkness, all that, right? You know what God brings an end to? God the Father brings an end to it. And we see it prophesied in Daniel chapter number 7. It's his judgment 
Daniel chapter 7, verses 10 through 12, that is God's judgment against principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. They used to rule the kingdom of this earth, but not anymore. <laughs> you, it's going to be, you used to be the God of this world, but Daniel uh, chapter number seven is prophesying, but there's going to come a point, not anymore, because King Jesus is coming on to the scene. Verse number 13, and that's all the conclusions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. That's God the Father. And they brought near before him. That's God the Son standing before God the Father. Look at verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory. See verse 12? They had their dominion taken away, all those powers. Right before Christ is going to touch down with his feet on the Mount of Olives. God the Father, the Ancient of Days, is going to give the dominion to King Jesus. Adam, God gave Adam one dominion. Adam fumbled the ball and gave dominion over to the devil. You know what God's doing in Daniel 7? He's picking up the ball and he's saying, I'm stripping you of the dominion. And now God the Father is giving it to his son. And he's going to have the dominion. And it says, and a kingdom. See that? And a kingdom that all people, nations and languages, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. Well, I guess it would. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. When Jesus conquered death, it gave him the right to have all power on the earth. And in Daniel 7, God is decreeing an end to the rulers of this world. It's a declaration. Christ has it by right because he conquered death. And God the Father is decreeing it as well. That those principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, spiritual wickedness, all that in high places will be done away with. And right before he touches down to set up his kingdom. The dominion is given from God the Father, God the Son. That's going to be a kingdom. Nobody's, nobody's meeting to say, what do you think about this? He's just coming. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.